Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. We're powered by DeerCast, and believe it or not, we made it to episode 300. We did. We've been talking about it for since 200, I think. <laughs> for a long time. We finally got there. That's right. And uh, It's the last week of the 2022 year. It's crazy. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You still... Or eating tag soup. <laughs> I'm still eating tag soup. I almost literally got skunked last night. I saw a few small bucks and and, and, and a skunk. I, I actually did get skunked. Nah. Not with a real one, just saw nothing. The figurative skunking. <laughs> That's right. Both suck. Yeah. Yeah. But so we're doing a little, we're kind of coming full circle with, with episode number 300 here. That's right. We talked about having, wanting to get a special guest, and we did get a special guest. And this is... Technically, the second time we should have hit 300 already last week. Should have, but so didn't. Th- but we didn't because producer Matt didn't hit record. Oh, he apologized. We're moving already. on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we had Tim Sylvia on earlier in the year, and we didn't hit record. So it was a wasted podcast. Of course, what's this we crap? Uh oh, well, I hear him. Uh-oh. I hear the big bear. So Tim, you better introduce our guest. All here. right. So we got the UFC heavyweight champ, and he was a member of the Dream Season cast. Dream Season celebrity. That's right. Tim Sylvia. What's up, champ? What's up? I don't know about this we stuff. Are you gonna turn your pocket? I didn't. I would have pushed record. <laughs> I would have pushed push record. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> Matt came on the the very next podcast and he apologized. <laughs> so we're moving on. <laughs> we wanted to have you in studio so we could reunite. You and Matt aren't here oh in boy. studio and see if we could get one of those famous chokeholds <laughs> right here on the podcast table. I, I would love to do it, but I'm four and a half hours away from you guys, man. <laughs> well, he would have made up with it with baked goods. Yeah. And I is. think everything would have been fine. After <laughs> you, that. you actually, you probably would have become very good friends. He's a hell of a baker. <laughs> so, all right. He better have brought those before him then. <laughs> we, we covered a lot of topics last time. And some really good stories. And I said before we jumped on here, it's a good thing that I have a short-term memory because I don't really recall exactly the the details that we talked about. You said you don't recall. You may have been hit in the head a few too many times. I don't know why you have a bad memory. Mine just sucks. So we're going to start from scratch here like it never happened, Tim. Okay. All right. What I do remember from that episode were some of Tim's stories about – people encouraging him like people coming up and saying hey choke me out yeah there's that we're gonna get into some hunting tim's had a hell of a year so far he's still chasing them we're still after him we'll get into all that but before we start we we need to backtrack a little bit what tim's referring to we used to run into each other well we still do when we go to them at the trade shows so before before you were before you had your own show uh, uh hit squad outdoors you were kind of just hanging around the industry and friends with a bunch of people in the industry you had a passion for hunting uh did that start at an early age your passion for hunting or did that kind of happen and evolve as you got older no, nah, man, I started hunting uh, when I was 12. That's that's when it's legally to hunt in, in uh, the state of Maine. And I hunted my whole life there until I moved to Iowa and never saw a deer to shoot. In Maine. <laughs> it's, rough. it's rough in Maine, man. It's rough. And then I started dating a gal 
here in Iowa, probably like in 2002, and her family hunted, and I did some pheasant hunting with them, and then they're like, we should come shotgun hunting with us. I'm like, shotgun? You know, I was like, yeah, you got to use shotguns in Iowa. Okay, I was like, can't use my 30-odd six? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> but I use the main. So uh, we go out there. I got my Mossbird 12-gauge, and I think I shot seven deer on Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. <laughs> they actually have deer there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's actually deer in Iowa. So how did you start getting introduced into the hunting industry? Cause I know like we would see you, you know, and, and you, the big group would go like when you were in the UFC, we'd come down and watch you fight. Like in Vegas, I remember a big uh, match you were in Vegas and we all went to. And so what kind of, how did those two things intertwine or end up mixing together? It was um, some gentlemen here in the quad cities who were doing a, a hunting DVD and they reached out to me, I think through MySpace. <laughs> Or something along those lines, one taking me out to lunch, and I said, I only eat at sushi. So they took me to the sushi joint because I was dieting and um, telling me that uh, they wanted me to get involved as they wanted to take me hunting in southeast Iowa and bow hunting and all this. And they gave me, you know, clothes and bows and binoculars and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. And went down there and saw probably the biggest buck I've seen on, the, on a hoof ever while I was bow hunting the first time. I couldn't believe it. And I shouldn't say the first time I was bow hunting. The first time I went out of the, my area, you know, I started bow hunting, you know, the next year after shotgun season with uh, my um, in-laws, well, not in-laws, or girlfriends, family, whatever. But, um, yeah, we just started filming DVD, and then they said, we should go to the ATA. I'm like, what's the ATA? It's like, oh, well, you, you swear everybody in the hunting industry. I'm like, you mean like where, like, Cuz Strickland and the Drury Outdoors and Lee and Tiffany will be? They're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, I love Michael Waddell and those guys. <laughs> so I went there, and unbeknownst to me i had no idea how everybody in the honey industry was huge ufc fans and you know it was cool meeting you guys and stuff i have a really funny story meeting your um your uncle with your dad and stuff mm. but um one of the coolest things for me ever is i grew up watching cuz Strickland mm. um hunt turkeys and you know deer on tv and i'm walking down the aisle and i i, I hear tim 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 sylvia tim sylvia and i turn around and cuz big ass is jogging to me <laughs> hollering my name i'm like holy shit because strickland is all i mean i didn't now he's like i'm a huge fan what color what do you wear for camel and all of this and i'm like i don't know i i think i wear mossy oak no we got pictures you wear both i, wear <laughs> mossy oak. I didn't know but uh yeah they he immediately had me pro staffing for him in, in 2003 or four and was taking me on hunts and stuff and you know i met you guys and the funny story i met with your with your uncle mike and stuff is terry was downstairs we were in atlanta and I think it was towards the end of the weekend, and some jerk off kept bugging me about wanting to choke, wanting me to choke him out. And I didn't think I was tough, and just kept bugging me. And I don't drink, and he was drinking, and, and finally I just had enough of my grab and snatched him out, choked him out, and dropped him on the middle of the uh, the floor there at the hotel. Yeah, the bar. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of left him there, and people were like, "Oh my God, did he just kill someone?" <laughs> so then your uh, your your dad, Terry, he's like, "I got somebody you have to meet. Come on, let's go." <laughs> and um I, I was like who is that? i want you to meet my brother i said mark he's like yeah you know him i was like well i don't know him but i know who he is and uh it was the funniest thing um can we cuss on this well, yeah you already have <laughs> oh. this is on the internet you're good to go <laughs> so the elevator door opens, and there's mike and i'm with terry he's like oh hell no no way and he's pushing close close close, close the door i think he was afraid that your your, your dad was coming to give me 
come and give me to uh, choke him out or something. But, you know, after that all kind of blew over, you know, we became friends and stuff and uh, just saw you guys all the time at the industry. And then you guys had a, you know, I, oh, you're, you're, um, Mike and Terry took me turkey hunting on your, one of your turkey DVDs. That's right. That's and, right. Yep. I hunted with uh, Rick and Julie before that. And I've been on a bunch of the Mossy Oak shows and they were kind of brainstorming and we were watching the previous, uh, trailer to the new um dream season and and they asked me about this stuff and i said it's cool i you know i don't know we're just shooting the shit and um it was like, we thought about doing a celebrity one and i was like well you let me know man I'm, i'll be your huckleberry i'd be all about that and it just it, it happened fast i don't know if they pitched it to the network or they pitched it to sam walker at the time or whatever but it happened fast and that that very next deer season after the turkey season we're filming celebrity uh Celebrity dream season. Yeah, it was the, the we we were you know we're the executive producers of that, so it really we would you know talk at that time with scent blockers, so Scott Schultz and you know they would have a little bit of input, but for the most part we would just come up with ideas and then you know roll with it. So the biggest thing with doing dream season celebrity is obviously coming up with enough celebrities and scheduling mm-hmm. to try to make it happen because like that podcast. Yeah, so that that's <laughs> the the nightmare part of it because. You know, you obviously want to have big enough names where it, you can draw the viewership in. But to do that, you got when you have big enough names, their schedules are yeah, so tough. hard to to you know kind of work together. And because we would always do group hunts, we'd have one at the beginning of the season and one at the end, and uh, it was just really really hard to make that work. But we got you and J D J W Hart, who is the Iron Man of PBR bull riding, uh, Adam Wainwright, who was a St. Louis Cardinal, and back Back then, what would would that have been like? Oh eight, oh nine, somewhere in there, probably. Around there, yeah. So ten or eleven, yeah. That, that was probably towards the beginning of his career, obviously. And then Aaron Lewis well, yeah. from Stained, and uh, he was kind of breaking out and doing a solo. That's when he started his solo uh, career around, around that time. So it was yes. in, it was incredible. It was awesome to get all these guys in the first group hunt. I mean, we had so many people, you know, show up as far as like you know camera guys and and uh, mm-hmm. the crew to try to make sure it all went out, off without a hitch and. These guys were all paired with Drury Outdoors teams so that we kind of made sure that because we didn't know what each of their abilities were, how much they would kill or what what, to produce it all. You know, it'd be one thing to be able to kill stuff, but produce it for the TV show. So we lined them up with Drury Outdoors team members and Tim drew uh, David and Jeff Lindsay. And and if if you that ever want to draw. draw a good team, that's <laughs> the, the team to draw because all three of these guys lived in Iowa. So it, which is why you know why Tim got those two. Uh, so anyways, they the, the season was incredible. You three had an incredible season in general, and uh, you ended up winning the whole thing. And uh, there was some really fun banter in camps between you and Aaron Lewis specifically. You guys had had some war of the war war of the words and it was really fun to yeah. watch yeah and, and to this day it, it's funny because aaron and i are very very good friends you know he's always messaging me let me know where he's going to be and wants to come by and stuff and i was a giant aaron lewis fan of stained you know and um i'll never forget when i moved to iowa i listened um i listened to his album um like on repeat for 24 hours all the way out here crying half the way happy half the way you know just Big, big moment for me, you know, moving to Iowa and I never left the state of Maine my whole life, quit everything I had, jobs, everything, and moved to Iowa with $5,000 in my, in my pocket and 
was going to chase a dream and work. So, so when you went to Iowa, you joined one of the famous camps, right? One of the famous uh, UFC yeah, military ca- fighting system. Yeah. So, is that where I mean, is that where things really started changing for you as far as the UFC side of things go? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd already had you know five or six fights when I was in Maine, but I was training on my own with some buddies at a PAL, and um, I had got a big fight coming up, kind of like a breakthrough fight. At then it was called the IFC. It's kind of a low-level uh, um, Bellator organization, whatever, you know. But they were on uh, pay-per-view or something, and uh, I went out to the military camp to train with them and stuff like that, and uh, I absolutely loved it. I got my ass kicked, you know, for two weeks straight, and Everybody's like, are you going to move here? you going to move here? And it's like, I, I would never just get up and move you without permission. It's, I don't, like a lot of people did that. They were the outsiders. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Pat, you know, took me to the airport. And he's like, you know, if you ever want to move here, you, you, there's a spot on the team for you. We, we love you. You think you get a great attitude. You work hard. And uh, we think we can make something of you. So that's all I need to hear. I went back to uh, Maine, sold off everything I owned, uh, told the girlfriend she wanted to stick around. Maybe we could work things out, but I'm moving to Iowa. I'm chasing a dream. <laughs> funny wow. how that then shapes the rest of your life obviously you had a, a huge career with the ufc and then you i guess you just kind of what get acclimated to iowa and, and really love what was it the hunting side is it the the midwestern kind of lifestyle or what is it that makes you stick around once the ufc and the fighting side of things ends for you all of the above i mean i was a huge i was a big hunter you know back in maine anyway and then you know i you know once I moved to Iowa and started hunting and I started bow hunting, it was, it was over, man. That's all I thought about, dreamed about and did, um, purchased my own property. I think my first 40 acres in, I want to say 2005 probably. And, um, you know, just worked the land. And then, you know, as, as, you know, things go on, as life goes on, I end up, uh, dating a gal, you know, she gets pregnant and we have a kid. So, you know, I'm, I'm stuck here because I love, you know, I'm not going to leave my kid and abandon or anything like that, you know? So um, this is my home for the rest of my life, and now I have a couple homes here. You know, I have a big farm now. Well, not really big farm, it's only 100 acres now. Down southeast Iowa, but I built a nice retirement home there, and uh, I live in Eldridge, Iowa. And my dad actually just recently moved here. I talked him out of, you know, huh. moving here. He's living with me. He sold the house back in Maine and everything. So, you know, he, he just turned 80, so he's getting ready to be 81. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have a lot of years left, you know. So it's like I'm the only thing he has left, me and my son, and, so I was like, you really need to spend your your golden years, how you want to call it, mm-hmm. here in Iowa with us. And yeah. my wife, my wife was fine with him moving in with us. And, and now, you know, he's a blessing. She, uh, my wife just started nursing, uh, back into nursing again. And we have chickens and my dad's a homebody. So he just loves to go out and take care of the chickens. <laughs> and she's got a couple dogs and cats and all that. If we can have cows and, and roosters and, and goats and all that, we'd have that here as well. But my dad would be taking care of them. <laughs> That's nice. awesome. So your son, I know that he it's a special bond for you. And when I see all your social media posts, it's like this kid, he's a spitting image of you. And it's fun to watch. Like he's in wrestling now, but he's also got a little bit of a softer side. And your wife, she's uh, in the pageant world or was in the pageant world, probably still is, I guess. And so she kind of yeah, takes she's him. She's currently Miss Iowa. So, yeah, she still is. Yeah. That's so that's pretty awesome. And so he he's he's got the soft side and the kind of the hardened side. He's got the best of both worlds. And just to see the joy that you have and taking him hunting and fishing and, and doing all the stuff outdoors, too. I could tell that it's a it's a special, a special thing for you, a special bond. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you're a father now, too. So you, you totally understand. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tim's a great follow on Instagram. A yeah. lot of <laughs> a lot of his videos are of people getting hurt doing stupid stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it's you awesome. know, you know, growing up, one of my favorite shows was America's Funniest Home Videos. Yes. And I still love it to today. And now the show that I really enjoy is ridiculousness. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean I you know, it, it's it's bad to laugh when people get jacked up and hurt when they wipe out. I, I my favorite some of my favorite things is because I grew up with it is people slipping on the ice when they do a montage of like 10 people <laughs> trying to because uh, i've been there it's happened yeah. and you you, ha- you have to laugh and i was just like so hopefully they don't get jacked up too bad but yeah i, I love watching people getting <laughs> wrecked on I, I can only imagine that big body of yours starts oh, falling geez. it's oh, timber get the hell dude, out of the way it hurts, <laughs> it hurts how, how tall are you six seven six eight six eight well I, I, my prime i was six eight but you know now that in my 40s, I think I'm shrinking. I'm probably down to six seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, so both him and Adam Wainwright, because Adam I think is six seven or six eight as well. So when we had that dream season celebrity, we got pictures where it's the two of them, and I'm in the middle, <laughs> <laughs> the Hi, middle man. of them. Yeah, you look like a little bitty kid. Which I, at that time, oh, I was only mid 20s, probably. I was a kid, but it's fun. It's funny to look at. That just makes me curious logistically, Tim. I, you know. Like I've I've been in tree stands and it feels like you're in a postage stamp a little bit, but just talk about the logistics of hunting out of a tree for you. It's tough, man. Um, you know, tree stands have come a long, long way. Um, I pretty much only hunt out of the really nice ladder stands. Um, I'm with Primal now, and they have those nice jaw locks. They called it the Mac Daddy chair and a half. So they're like a buddy stand, but half a buddy stand. They just have so much room, 22 feet up. I have a few hang-ons. It's probably the biggest hang-on you can get in some cedar trees. Okay. Um, just because, you know, if you fall, you're going to hit every limb on the way down. It's going to break your fall. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's just – I really enjoy hunting out of cedar trees, just cutting out a little pocket, and you have plenty of places to hang your bow and your gear, and you're really well hidden and stuff. You know, being as big as I am, I want to be as hidden as best I can. So, plus I have a cameraman, you know, so he's hanging off the side of the tree and stuff. It's, a lot of times, deal look up there and like, what the hell is that block? <laughs> it's a bear in the tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beware. So when we when we first met, you kind of alluded to that that Atlanta story. I remember it vividly because you and the the that bar we were in. So those were your single days. That bar we were in. The guy that kept mess, messing around with you all like it was for a couple of days. He just kept messing with you. He he had a girl with him. And you, she was smoking hot too. And you choked the guy out. And I'll never forget this because you walked. Do you, as soon as you basically gently kind of lowered him, I've seen you do this a lot, <laughs> and it's like, almost like a party trick. You choke the guy out. It's like seconds, and you gently drop him to the ground, and then you literally walked off. I'll never forget it. You walked off with that girl hand in hand down the hallway, and I was like, oh my goodness, like it's almost she like hated him ca- too. caveman style. Like I just knocked this guy out and took his girl. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was wild back then. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were at we were talking about Dream Season Celebrity that second group hunt, and we were at Terra oh. Wildlife down in, in Vicksburg, Mississippi, or near near there. Uh, and we had a big 
function at the end of the trip where it was a catch a dream banquet basically. So they had, I bet there was 50, 60 people there, especially with, with all the celebrities that were in camp, Mm -hmm. a bunch of people came in and they were, we were presenting catch a dream with a check for our donation that all of the celebrities and the jury outdoors team members had raised money throughout the year. And we were giving them a check. And at the time, and still to this day, it was the biggest check that we had given them from from the dream season shows it was a hundred thousand dollars it was wow. a big deal and at the time it took three thousand dollars per child to mm-hmm. take a you know terminally old child and his family on a hunting or fishing trip of their dreams so think about how many hunts this provided so it was a big deal and aaron lewis was uh, unveiling his country boy song mm-hmm. so this was like the first time he had really played it and he he played that song to the group or whatever acoustically. I mean, it was a really cool moment. Nice. And so we're all there. Yeah. And for <clears throat> for me, you know, I'm I had to I was tasked with setting all those group hunts up okay. and kind of making sure everything ran smoothly and making sure everything we filmed everything for TV. Well, this guy kept this guide. He was a young guide. Kept messing with Tim all week long. And uh, he was just a young guy, pretty, you know, pretty built, but he like he was going to take Tim, take Tim down and beat his ass or something. It was incredible. So finally, Tim had enough because he was like he was really I'd I'd say it's like a gnat or a fly. I mean, he was just really bothering Tim and Tim was very gracious the entire week. Well, finally, you had enough, hadn't you? Yeah, it was the last last night of the trip. And I mean, I was being pretty gracious because of you guys. I didn't want to, you know, ruin you guys reputation and. You know, Terra Wildlife is is a pretty big Christian organization down there, and I was trying to, my best to be a good boy, but um, I just, yeah, I had enough, and I guess he was a wrestler because, you know, we, we started, and I just had came off a fight, so I had a broken hand, and I was, you know, mending that, and I don't know how often, but he kind of, we kind of locked up, we started hand fighting, and he shot a double leg on me, and the kid probably only weighed, I don't know, 185 pounds. He was built well, he was strong, but... Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't big compared to me, you know, I was six, eight, you know, 300 pounds and he shot a double leg and I'm like, Oh no. So I uh, sprawl pancaked him, threw him on his back and got cross sides and asked him if he had enough. And he decides kneeing me in the ribs and it wasn't nice knees. It was like, he's trying to hurt me. I'm like, Oh no. So I flared up and dropped the forearm to his face and he went limp and I put him in a choke and I'm like, this boy's going out. And I think Matt thought I was going to kill the kid. Cause he kept, he was like, t- he wouldn't, he wouldn't grab me to pull me off him, but he's like touching my back. He's like, okay, Tim, okay, Tim, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. I'm like, no, this kid's going to sleep. That's a good lawsuit. Here I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, Come on, Tim. Job. <laughs> a guy got killed. I wish we had video for that. Tim killed the guy. Yeah, I'm sure there is video somewhere, but it was one of those moments where I'm just sitting kind of like, all right, this has gone too far. Like, but what am I going to do? I'm yeah. smaller than both of them. Hey, Tim, do you mind not killing him, please? Yeah, basically, like, politely asking for you to stop killing this guy. But, but apparently, apparently that kid was a jerk because the next day, the cooks and the other guys were like, oh, we heard what you did last night. That's so awesome. We, You know, he deserves it. He, he runs around here, thinks he's king almighty and this and that. It was it was kind of funny. <laughs> this place. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So it was uh, one of many fun stories we've had over the years. But we've had some good times, especially at those trade shows and just hanging out. And we don't get to see each other much anymore unless it's at, you know, some randomly at like a, a 
Rascal Flats or a Dustin Lynch concert or something. I know you run into Wade here and there. And, you know, even though you're yeah. in Iowa, you're really not that close to marking those guys where you're at. So, um, you know, it's kind of random. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah I'll be going. Um, well, I'm marking them in Des Moines. So I'm two and a half hours to mark. So I'm guessing I think Wade lives there or an Osceola or something in his life. Yeah. So we'll probably Wade probably Wade lives in Mark right now during hunt season, I'm sure. <laughs> Pretty much. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but Wade's Wade's Dustin Lynch right hand man. <laughs> so <laughs> that's wherever right. Dustin is, Wade's gonna be there. If it's four, five, six hours away, Wade's gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So <clears throat> when you're you know, so we we talking hunting now. What, what where are you at as far as like how many tags you got left, where you're going, what hunts do you have left? We still got a good month of the season at least here. Uh, I'm tagged down in Iowa, man. I did a you know, Iowa was so good early October. We had a lot of cold snaps and I had a lot of food and the I had the deer pattern you know, with my reveal cameras. So I went down, uh, the wife and I hunted in Ohio. She was hunting. She killed in Ohio. Mm-hmm. On We came back October 1st. I was looking at my cameras, and I said, I can shoot this big deer. I know I can. October 7th, I went down on a weekend and um, went into a stand where I was just going to do some scouting and, and see what you know how things played out. And this big boy came on an hour and a half before sunset, and mm. I shot him. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it happened so quick at 30 yards. And uh, so he's dead, and I'm like, wow, okay, well, now my bow season's over with. And, you know, with sponsors and stuff, you got to make sure you use your muzzleloaders. And, and, you know, I have, a, I have a Timber Creek and AR-15 sponsors and stuff, so I want to make sure I use those during shotgun season. I'm like, what am I going to do now? I'm like, early muzzleloader. That's what I'm going to do. Had another big deer pattern, and um, sure enough, he came out the second night, and uh, I thought I shot him. But uh, I shot the wrong deer. I uh, it was low light, and I was having problems getting my uh, eye relief in the scope. And um, the the cameraman said, "No, he's over to your right." And was I picked the I had my my muzzleloader in a uh, the the bog death stalker grip. Mm-hmm. So I just moved that over, and I looked, and I saw animals. I said, "Okay, there he is." And I dropped my uh, crosshairs down the vitals. Boom! Shot. I see the deer running. You know, did a kick, and the cameraman's like, "You missed." I'm like, "I didn't miss, bro." He just fell over right in front of us. He's like, well, you didn't shoot this. the one I thought you were shooting. And I bring up the binoculars, and there's the big one. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm upset, on. pissed off, ruined, yeah. walk up to the deer. He's 130-inch, you know, 11-point, got three-and-a-half-year-old, got all kinds of potential. And I, I, I don't know. Just It's not the first time I've done that either. I, I get buck fever really bad. Mm-hmm. I, I was always taught not to look at the animals when you find when you realize you're going to shoot the animal, you know, so you don't you know, just look at the vitals. And yeah, so that happened. Maybe look <laughs> a little bit. You know what I loved about it, though? You owned up to it on social media. You're like, hey, this is what happened. You told the story and, and you know, you were still super proud of, you know, the deer and all that as far, you know, as far yeah, as. Yeah, I mean, that, that deer is a giant in Maine. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, every in Michigan, I mean, there's places. People are just, you know, I just, you know, I pride myself into, you know, being a deer management now. And, and I always want to shoot it, you know, on my farm, it's only a hundred acres. So I strive for, you know, four and a half or older, mm. you know, five, six is even better. And, um, you know, that's just what I'm, I, so I'm, I'm frustrated with that, but I mean, it's still a great deer. He tasted great. You know, we're eating on him and stuff. We get the summer sausages up that my son loves and stuff. But uh, yeah, I got lucky, you know, shotgun season and I killed a, uh, I think an eight and a half year old that I, he's been around. I've tried to kill him, you know, the last two years when he was in his prime and I just couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. But uh, he gave me an opportunity the other night and I shot him and you know, I had a tough, tough um, second shotgun season with Maverick. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know what the problem was. Gun malfunction. The uh, bolt carrier didn't pick up the, the ammo and the, and put it in the, 
barrel what, but the gun goes quick, and we have a 150 inch 10 pointer oh. out in front of us at 100 yards. And um, that's hard. I panicked when I, heard, when I heard click. I just automatically reached over. I'm filming. I re-racked the slide, and you know that mate, that's a noisy thing yeah. on an AR-15. And he's like, "Dad, Dad, stop, stop there!" I was like, "We gotta reload. We gotta reload." Yeah. And then it didn't go in. I dropped the magazine. I slammed the magazine back in. I relaxed the slide, and the deer are gone. And I'm, I was just—he started crying. Oh. I didn't. It's funny because right when he was getting ready to shoot, I turned on the two tactic cams. The one facing the animals. The one facing him. Mm-hmm. And I haven't looked at the footage yet, but you know, the one facing him is a wide angle. And I didn't put the camera on him because you know he was crying. And but the tactic cams got it, so it'll be interesting to see how it is. But you know, we were both absolutely heartbroken. Oh that, yeah, that happened. Yeah, it's one thing to have a mishap for yourself, but for your son, yeah. I mean, you want in the, the the most in the world for your son to kill. You know, especially yeah. a 150 inch deer. I mean, that's that's a, yeah. a mega. You know, so that is heartbreaking. Well, you but. know, he's killed four deer, or well, three deer already. So, and each year, you know, we keep stepping it up. You know, I first year was you know a year and a half old. Then he got a two and a half year old. Then he got a you know, three and a half year old. So I'm like, man, this deer's four and a half. And because we saw some smaller bucks. He's like, can I shoot them? I was like, man, right, there's some bigger deer coming out here. I really mm-hmm. want you to, really want you to shoot the bigger ones. He's like, okay. I wish I gave him the green light to shoot the younger one because that gun wouldn't went off and I would have figured out the problem. But, you know, in hindsight, 50 50, I just took the gun, took it out of the death stalker and just pulled the slide back and dropped the bullet in like I did when we were getting ready to shoot it for mm-hmm. practice. He would have been fine. Now I know that my gun, my gun guy is one of my best friends and he's absolutely upset. He's coming to get the gun today. I brought it home. He's going to go through it. And he says he's having problems with the 350 legends with the actual bolt carrier where they'll, they'll only load selective amounts of uh, the ammo for the gun and so on. And so what the Hornadays are really high because that polymer tip, it catches on the, uh, when it's, when the barrel, when the bullet seats into the barrel. So he's been shaving off 200,000s on the actual bolt carrier. And he says, and he's been putting a special barrel that's been fixing that problem. So that's what he's going to do to this one. <clears throat> yeah, I know when they first came out with that 350 Legend, and obviously we shoot the Winchesters and XPR and the Winchester ammo. And so that was one of the big things that Winchester talked about when the XPR had a um, the magazine that actually – was specifically for those mm-hmm. when the 350 bullets. And yeah. so that was something different, especially, and I'm sure now there's, there's more, but at the time when they launched it, they were one of the only ones I think. And, and so when you racked another one in, it was pretty smooth as far as how it went in there, yeah. but man, that's, that's tough. So can he hunt any more this year gun, any more gun seasons oh, or muzzleloader? Well, I, I, so, I don't know. My buddy was telling me he thinks he can. So, um, I didn't get his, I didn't get his, um, his youth tag because we were hunting in Ohio and then October starts. And once October starts, you can't get the youth tag to hunt any, it's not, you know, a youth tag is good for all seasons or you can get it. But if you pick up a youth tag, you have to pick a season after October 1st. So it's the tag that I got him was just a second shotgun season. So he thinks I can get his youth tag for late muzzleloader. So I'm going to go find that out today where I was actually, I forgot we were doing this at 11. Um, so I was at Dick's, they're going out of business and I was buying some stuff and you text me. I'm like, Oh shit, I gotta get home. So I was going to go to Walmart and, and look, look into that and see if I can get him at the tag. Cause if so, we're going to go down there. Okay. Kill that well, hopefully he can get back out there for one more chance. And yeah, late season yeah, is cold enough so that, that, uh, yeah, yeah, that if you got some food, standing food, maybe you, you'll have I a got good opportunity. Two acres of standing beans, two acres of standing corn. Mm. And I've got 
two brassica plots. That should do and it. Two clover plots. So I got plenty of food. That should and do we it. Got, we got box blinds with heaters over all of them. Oh. So. <clears throat> the key to kid hunting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Or just even with, make sure with... they have their phone on silent, warmth, snacks. Comfort. Sounds like you're hunting with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I I'm getting up? older. I like it too, man. I've got what I got eight box blinds on my property on 100 acres, and I just got sponsored by Grizzly, so we're going to be running the Grizzly blinds from here on out. Nice, good deal. So yeah. the the industry side of it, like I said, you got your own show, Hit Squad Outdoors. What? Because you've had that for years now. What's been the season most? Season seven's airing. Yeah, season seven will be airing uh, first and second quarter. Awesome. So what's the most eye opening thing on the business side? Or because there's plenty of people that always say, yeah, I'd like to have my show own show, whether it's yeah. an online show or whatever. What's the most eye opening thing or a piece of advice you'd have for guys out there that want to do it? Yeah. Have plenty of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's expensive. You know, it's, 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 it's not what it used to be when I first started out. The sponsorships have, is not as good as they used to be. Um, I still rely on a lot of friendships, which is great for me. Um, but, you know, the industry is getting bought up by all these big companies, you know, like, uh, for instance, GSM. Those guys have bought up, was you obviously, you know, Muddy, Hawk, Big Game. Uh, I mean, HME and they they've got probably GSM is probably the biggest the biggest one right now that they own you know 25 different companies so if you're not under that umbrella you don't get anything you know and it's tough you know luckily I've got a couple of those that I'm I'm under you know they're not the bigger ones and then I have friendships that I've you know made throughout the years and stuff like that and, and it helps you know being who I am I'm a different demographic I'm not just your average Joe who's trying to start a hunting show. Um, unfortunately I live in Iowa and I, you know, I get three Iowa tags. So I usually kill a balloon every year that helps. Um, but I just try to focus my show around the average Joe's, you know, just, I try to just do mainly Turkey and deer. Cause that's what any Iowa resident can do is Turkey and deer. So they kind of want to relate, you know, no, not everyone's going to be the Drury's, the Lindsay's and the Koski's and shoot 200 inch deer every year. You know, it's just, it's just not possible, especially when you own, only own hundred acres. I mean, I mean, we can get a wild deer come by sometime, but. I mean, those guys that I just spoke of, you know, Mike has got a hell of a farm and he's right next to the Lindsay's. And so, you know, you put 10,000 acres of highly managed properties. That's awesome. You know, if I win the lottery, that'll be me. I'm going to try to buy a farm around those guys and say, here, here's my 5,000 acres. So now we, now we got 15,000 acres. Let's, let's do something, you know? Even some of the Drury's aren't killing the Drury bucks. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it ain't. It, it's still hunting, you know. Oh yeah. But um, you know, a lot of people are just jealous of you know of the juries and and the Koskis. They get hate all the time. I'm like, you have any idea where these guys come from? I mean, they've been in the industry for 25 years. I mean, like Lee, I know Lee and Tiffany's story more though than I do the juries because I'm really good friends with them. But Lee and Tiffany came from Minnesota, following a dream, and was living out of motels, hunting on property they had permission to hunt, and that's how it all started. And then, you know, they, the show kind of got some traction. You know, she's a pretty gal, and they get decent sponsors, and they he finds, you know, business partners he can go in business with, and, you know, he gets 300 acres. So, you know, then they kill a couple of booners that year. Then, you know, things go on and years go on, and, and there's people, you know, just whine, cry, they're hunting by fence and all this bull crap. I'm like, you guys are just jealous, absolutely jealous. It's, it's awful. That's the, the, the cheaty part about this industry is the jealousy that's involved. There's so many people and so many haters out there that, that just hate on 
successful people and they kill big deer. What I love about Tim is he'll come on to our, and I've seen you do it to a lot of people's uh, Facebook page or Instagram. And he comments, he's very active on social media. So he'll, he'll shut down. He'll say stuff to people that we can't. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Tim's always coming to our defense. They don't know. And they just, they're just freaking trolls, you know? And it's just like, well, we actually, we start with freaking Rod Owen during, um, during dream season, you know, he was whining and crying, give me three Iowa tags and I'll kill three booners and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Get your ass off the couch, work more and move to Iowa. Perfect example. Look at uh, Doug Hampton. Where did he live? Georgia, Alabama, I don't uh, even Arkansas. Know. He lived what down did, in Arkansas. There, there you go. Arkansas. What did he do? He just picked up everything he owns. Him and his family moved to Iowa. He bought a couple of nice farms. He's been very successful with shooting big deer. That's all Rod had to do. It's how bad do you want it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. You come from a world where criticism, the, the armchair quarterback, so to speak, but in the UFC, like you, you see how those fights, like the way that people comment on the social media clips Mm. that go out there. I mean, everybody's an expert. Yeah, (laughs) It's one of those things until you're an expert until you get punched in the face once or twice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a question I had for you, Tim. What, what don't you think, people understand about actually getting into a physical altercation with someone what is what's the percentage people the percentage of an actual man an actual man being in a physical fight is like God, i want to say it's like 70 percent like 70 oh. percent of the male population haven't been in a physical fight H- have not been in one correct yeah yeah i'm 70 um <laughs> it, it's, it's it's pretty dang high um yeah, I mean, you all, everyone thinks you're tough until you get punched in the face, you know. That's how you react, you know. Punch me in the face, I get pissed off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, I'm usually good at def- diffusing situ- situations right, right there at the end. Well, I'm pretty good at starting shit, yeah, yeah, but, but also knowing when to bit. step back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always have a friend like Tim, first of all, not you, yeah. him. <laughs> oh, I can. Well, remember that time, you know, the, the jury, you, we were shed hunting before, uh, before we did dream season. And, you know, Mike and Terry used to get uh, all kinds of crap from the locals. You know, Mike's, you know, very successful in buying up land and stuff. And these locals used to hunt the land that he's buying up. And now they can't hunt it and they all get pissy and stuff and try to get tough with him when he's outside. You know, Mike's not a fighter. You know, they try to get tough with, with, you know, with with the jury brothers, you know, when they're all by themselves. Well, we went out during the shed season and uh, I made sure I was with him and, Everybody was really polite and nice. And, huh. you know, Mike and Terry's like, man, it's really nice going out with you. We don't have any problems. <laughs> yeah. We to hang around more often. Now, Terry, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's been in the 30% <laughs> because right? he, he had those construction years <laughs> leading up. Oh, to yeah, that was, yeah, construction. That's different. Yeah. Like, he, he, blue collar, most blue collar. But, you know, you know, corporate America, you know, lawyers and, and stuff like that. And, and, you know, people that work office jobs, they don't know what it's like. They have no idea. You just described my entire staff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Except for Alan. Alan's yeah. giving me the look. Yeah. Damn, I'll fight. I almost got in a fight at the gym a few months back. Now, Midwest is a little different, too, because, you know, wrestling is pretty prominent. So a lot of guys, you know, that do wrestling, it's that that's physical. and That's a different story. But I know a lot of – I got a lot of buddies that are wrestlers that have never been punched before in the face either. Yeah. So I was a wrestler. Yeah. Never been punched in the face. It's fun. I'm trying to Matt, keep the streak Matt, going. Matt, let's stop right there. Okay? I didn't say I was a varsity wrestler, Tim. 
I've said, okay. You don't <laughs> have the ear. You don't have if your ears aren't banged up or all hiding like mine. No, you're not. It, right. It's funny. We got a kid that works here, Ben Stallman, and he he was the captain of his wrestling team in college. He went to Drury University of all things down in Springfield. He was the captain of his wrestling team his sophomore, junior, and senior year, and his ears look like what you just described. You could tell that yeah. boy. He's 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 wrestled a long time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tim, you be prepared for a double leg if you get in a fight <laughs> you mentioned the midwest a second ago do you ever find yourself losing your main accent picking up the iowa accent i don't see how it's so thick <laughs> yeah i don't I'm, my dad just moved here and stuff um my buddies come out and visit me and stuff like that talk to you know folks on the phone and stuff like that so i don't i mean it's only a certain some words you know when i say farm and car and stuff like that i think I don't yeah know okay keep telling yourself that I, I don't is it, is it where i don't know it's still pretty it's, it's still pretty prevalent really oh I yeah can see, i can just see certain words but i don't i don't see huh. yeah that's funny so are you heading to any of the trade shows this year ata shot uh, nwtf i'll definitely be i'll definitely be the ata i got some meetings and some autograph things um i'm not a big fan of shot you know i used to, when i used to fight all the time i was always in vegas yeah lived in vegas filming the ultimate fighter two and stuff and oh it's just so big and hectic so i don't know i'll most likely go to the iowa deer classic um i don't know if i'll go to nwtf this year i don't know so when you you know you're flipping through the channels and they randomly have those like best of shows on the sports channels and you see like the best UFC fighters in the top 20 or the top 50 and then you see your name and 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 the mix of that I mean do you ever feel like hey I could relive those glory days a little bit or do you think yeah man I'm glad I'm done with it oh you never want to be done man um, I'm just smart enough to know that I, I can't train to be ready for a fight. If, if, I, if I could find another 45-year-old man who <laughs> wants to step in there and not do any training, just wants to step in the cage and do some bare-knuckle boxing, sign me up. You know, but he has to be my same age, and I, but I would never, you know, go in there against a 30-year-old who's training four or five hours a day, five, six days a week. I, I mean, I know my limits, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, I can hit the, you know, get, him, get lucky and hit the first punch and, and knock him out, but Chances are that ain't gonna happen against you know a trained fighter. Yeah, yeah if there's any 45 year old men out there that want to step in the cage, agree not to train and just go out there and fight, you know, like three one minute rounds. Sign me up. You can, you can message us on the rack. There's no, there's no five five minute rounds for me anymore. I think I think he's saying though you gotta get paid for it, so we gotta come up with somebody that wants to sponsor this fight. Cast. Here we go. <laughs> step in the hexagon. <laughs> But you know, no, I, you know, when I first started out, I was fighting for free, and shoot, I was actually paying the fight. I had to pay fifty dollars entry fees to fight. So man, I, I'd pay I not know. to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Jeez. how that works. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Some people just aren't built for it. We had to pay to fight. That's crazy. It's a long road, isn't it? How many how many years from the time where you started and the training and started fighting till when you actually got into the UFC and had your first big money fight? How many years was that? Um, you know, I got lucky because it happened pretty quickly because I'm a heavyweight, we're high the fine, and I was pretty good. Um, but the other thing that helped me a lot too was the big back then we did tournaments, so I think I was. I want to say I moved to Iowa in 2000. I started fighting in 98, had like six or seven fights. Moved to Iowa in 2000 and had, I got to like six or seven and oh, and I had a chance to, uh, one of the guys in, uh, they were doing two eight man tournaments on the East Coast and West Coast. 
and then they were going to do a 60-man heavyweight tournament in Hawaii, two-day event. So one of the guys that my manager was managing was in the in the, in the eight-man heavyweight tournament, and he came down training with me because I'm a big, you know, six foot eight, you know, three hundred pound heavyweight. He's like, yeah, you need to come down and train with Tim. You know, he's one of the biggest guys around. He's pretty good. So he came down there, and he was favored to do really well. Might even actually win the tournament. Um, he came down there, and I beat his ass for a week straight. Mm. Well, actually, it didn't even last a week. He ended up leaving. He he left without telling anybody. Called Monty, Ooh. my manager, and said, "Hey." Uh, give my spot to Tim. He goes, I, he's, I, I mean, I can't do anything against that guy. <laughs> you know, everybody else like him, he goes, I'm in trouble, man. Because he was a smaller heavyweight. His name was uh, Tommy Sauer. I will never forget a good buddy of mine. And we actually passed, we lost away. We passed away about three or four years ago. Mm. Um, so yeah, they just threw me into the heavyweight tournament. Uh, three before my first, uh, I had to fight three times in one night, went into Utah and knocked all three guys out in the first round. So Jesus, came geez. out unstaved, didn't get hurt. And so now I'm 10 and 0. Well, then we go to Hawaii, you know, six weeks later, I knock out my first guy Friday night. There was eight fights. And then the Saturday night, there's going to be three fights. If you go to the finals, I knocked out all three of those guys. So now I'm 14 and 0. Like the UFC, the UFC is calling up Monty. He's like, ah, uh, we want this guy. He's like, well, let's just kind of wait and see what goes on after this tournament. We're going to get him one or two more fights. And, you know, see what goes on and stuff. And um, got me another big guy that was a big football player, but a striker. And uh, held that fight in Iowa. I knocked him out. I think my first 15 fights, I think, gosh, I, I want to say 12 or 13 of them were all wins by knockout. So wow. um, that was kind of the thing why the UFC was calling and why they wanted me. You know, you know, nowadays, all you got to do is get a couple fights and get on the ultimate fight and you get in the UFC. The UFC is oversaturated. They have A, B, and C level fighters. When I was fighting, it was A level fighters, cream of the crop. You know, it's they held them. You know, six fights a year. When you know when we first got into UFC and stuff, and and now shoot, they have they have one every week. Yeah. So they they got it. You, you know, we call them scabs. You got to get scabs and guys that are not as talented as the A level guys. And now on a card, you know, you might know the main event or the co-main event. Those two guys and everybody else, you have no idea who they are. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely more saturated. <clears throat> so so was it one of those things? Your last few fights, where it, it, is your body telling you I can't do it at the level I want to do it at anymore, or what? Like, how do you come to the realization that it's like I might not be at the level I need to be to continue this pace? I had a couple moments actually. You know, my body was failing me. I was having problems making weight. You know, I had to. You know, I walk around three hundred pounds. You know, when I was when I was back then when I was fighting. And so I had to cut, you know, 35 pounds just to fight. So, you know, I had to run twice a week, swim twice a week, bike twice a week. So the cardio was getting hired. I was having to get, you know, cortisone shots in my knee just to get to the fight, you know, just to, just so I could fight. You know, so that was happening. And then uh, Stipe Miocevic, big UFC fighter right now, holds the record in the heavyweight division. He was getting ready to fight a tall guy, and he wanted to train with me. So we trained in Indiana together. And that was the first time in my whole career where I was in a position where I was in great shape and this guy could hold me down and I could not get back up. Like no one's really ever been able to do that in any fights, any training, live situations. No one's going to hang, hold me down and I couldn't get back up. Um, and it was just kind of like shit. You know, if I was to get, get back in the UFC, I wouldn't be heavyweight champ, especially if guys like this are still around. Yeah. I could still be a contender, you know, I could still be a top 10 or whatever. And, and then I think my last couple of fights I lost because 
I couldn't get in the conditioning that I wanted to get in. And then I was, I felt like I was a step behind. I was fighting a younger guy over in Russia. And, um, you know, I can, I can always see guys. I can like, when I watch fights, I think I, I, I can pick things up. A lot of people wouldn't even watch fights with me. They're like, wow, you saw that coming. It's like, cause I, I'm really good at, at, at reading guys and stuff like that. And I could kind of read the guy that I was fighting. I knew he was going to do, but I couldn't respond like the way I wanted to. Mm. And, you know, it's like usually a lot of times if, when you're in your prime, it's my turn, your turn, or you, you know, you kind of go back and forth. Like, so he would do something. I'm like, okay, well now I'm going to do this and I'd get ready to do it. Then he would do something again. I'm like, Oh, well, it was my turn. So I was, just, I was just kind of a step behind. That's when I kind of figured, realized it. And I would say my son was just born too. So it was kind of hard to be away from him and stuff, sure. the training camps and stuff like that, going over to Russia and the Philippines and China, Japan, I was fighting all over, you know, at the end of my career. And uh, I just didn't have, you know, once my son got born, I really lost that killer instinct to where, you know, when I when, when I was fighting and before he was born, it was me. I was mm-hmm. it was only me. I, it's all I cared about. I didn't care about anybody else. And girlfriends, I were expendable. Everybody was expendable with me. You know, except for my training partners, my coaches and stuff. And you know, when he was born, it, it was a different story. I, I cared about more about him than I did myself. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. <clears throat> Softens even the hardened, the most hardened guys. <laughs> so, yep. you should have seen me before kids. <laughs> Tim, at your at your peak of training, I'm curious about your macronutrients. Like, what were you shooting for calorie wise during the course of? We the didn't day? keep shooting? track of that stuff. Dude. Really? You just just ate until <laughs> no. you were full. About five thousand calories a day. Uh, I ate six times a day. Yeah. Um. And but, but like I said, I had to cut weight. So, um, once training camp started for me, you know, eight to 10 weeks out, it was straight, you know, lean eight. I mean, everything was measured. I had eight ounces of protein, either steak, chicken, or turkey, fish, um, uh, sweet potato and, um, brown rice, you know, stuff like that, that Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, vegetables, everything was, you know, a cup of vegetables and that my nutritionist, if I was dropping too much weight before fight time would come, he would add more sweet potatoes or more vegetables up my protein, you know, a couple more ounces and stuff like that. But like I said, I had to come down, you know, when I actually fought, um, our Lossky the second time I came in at 256. I didn't cut any weight. I just walked in and I was 256. Oh, and that's what I was at night time. Now, usually when I fought, I, I weighed in at 265 and then I would be 275, 280 the next day because oh, you know we were, we were cutting weight properly and stuff like that but not when i when i fought my two big title fights when i first fought rico i came in at 254 with um no cutting weight just dieting and exercise you know and then aloski the second time came in at uh 256 and then aloski the third time came in at 263 that, so. that means you're burning a lot of calories in your oh, workouts because yeah. <laughs> if you're saying your yeah. normal walking around weight was 300 but you're coming in without right. cutting at 256 and that's i mean that's pretty incredible really well yeah you were training two a days monday through friday once on saturday sunday rest and then you know those two a days you know the morning practices were either strength conditioning to technique training focus mitts grappling wrestling and then at night was live mm-hmm. when i say live it's it's basically you're fighting, you know, it yeah. was either wrestling once a week, sparring twice a week and grappling twice a week. And those are two hour practices, you know, at the end, because it's always strength conditioning at the end of them, endurance at the end of them, not to mention you're getting the endurance while you're doing it as well. 
That's a lot. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's a lifestyle. That's just a job. It really was. You know, it's it's now. That's why it's so hard for me to diet and and lose weight just because I did it for 16 years, man. I ate chicken and broccoli and rice for 16 years. Gets old. (laughs) You know, two gallons gallons of water every day. It's just, it's just, it's, it just, that's why I I hate during fight. I hated fight camps. I loved fighting. I loved training, but I hated fight camps. Yeah. Because of that, I had to be so strict, you know? Yeah. It seems to be the case with, with a lot of professional athletes that when they are no longer actively working, that they just tend to put on some weight. Because, I, I mean, you're you're used to eat, taking in so much. Yeah, like, well, you, you have so bad much. habits, too. Absolutely. You create bad habits. You know, when I was, yeah, I'd have a cheat day once a week or something. And then, you know, after a fight, I would eat everything and anything I wanted for, you know, three or four weeks and blow up to 300, 310. Then you just start training again, it just falls off you and you start eating right and stuff. It's crazy. I kind of lost track of Keith Kachuk, and I saw him recently. It's a hockey hockey player here in the St. Louis area. Yeah, yeah, just a legendary St. Louis Blue, and uh, he looks like he's like, a big boy, like a da- like a. Well, Brett Hall's the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hall, I mean, it's, it's Kelly cra- Chase, like all those guys. And you look at you know, look at when they were in their heyday. It's like oh my, you know, those guys were machines. Yeah, and yeah. you just get kind of get used to eating a certain way, I suppose, and. <clears throat> Unreal. Well, Tim, geez, I mean, thank you for <laughs> giving us the time. The again. second time around, giving us the time to do this. <laughs> and, and thank no you for, for helping us understand what being tagged out means. <laughs> That's something we can't relate to. <laughs> well, I mean, I still have a, I, I'm tagged out in my home state. I still have a, uh, have a gun tag in Missouri to fill. There's more ways of tagging out. You know, it's interesting. The gun season in Missouri, I looked at it. There's a couple of days at the beginning, like, because it starts at Christmas. There's 26, a couple. 26th, 27th, and 28th is going to be fire. Yeah. And, and then over, the days that I can hunt, beans. it's going to be warm. Because uh, <laughs> it's going to get up to like 50. Yeah, and it's it, good. we're talking like this this period here was like zero negative temperatures with the windshield. Like, it's really supposed to be good. And then. I can't hunt during any of that due to yep. family obligations and it'll get warm the one or two days I can, can go. So that's, can't, can't wait. <laughs> that's why you just have a little bit of resentment for your family around the holidays. Uh, that's just one more reason. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kid. Uh, yeah, of course. All right. So, well, so, so make sure folks are following, you know, if you're not following Tim on social media, Tim Sylvia MMA, he's a great follow. Definitely do that. Hit squad outdoors. Where's the show airing at right now, Tim? Sportsman Channel. Yep. What What's your yeah. prime airing? Your the uh, six thirty eight o'clock. Uh, six thirty, I think seven on Sunday nights is my prime time spot. You gotta check it out. Check out the maniac. See what he's up maniac. to these days. Tim, we appreciate you jumping on with us, man. I know uh, busy yeah, guy, no problem, and man. and uh, we appreciate it. I always enjoy talking to you, and and uh, you've always been gracious with your time with us. So we appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, and I'll probably see you at the ATA. Uh, I th- I know the guys aren't going. I might show up for a day. I might show up on Thursday. We'll we'll see. I'm, it's one of those things where anymore the the one thing the one good thing I think about the pandemic is is it kind of showed our industry that you can do business via Zoom and you know so many other ways. And yeah, I don't like that though. I, see, I, don't, I don't like that for me. I like the handshake. I like getting together, but a lot of times it's nice to be able to get the work side of it done and out of the way and, and be able to go to that. Cause, cause when we did go to it, we'd have an hour meeting 
and we'd have like a five minute break for between the hour meetings. We'd have an hour meeting from the time we got there to the time we finished. And it was just hustle and bustle the whole time. And then a three or four hour dinner with a partner every night. It just wasn't overly enjoyable. And I think the guys have had enough of it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And so I try to take care of most of our business beforehand. But if I go, it's going to be, you know, to see people like you and, and, and our partners and, and say hello more than anything. Sure. So, well, we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Yeah. Talk did to you push soon. record, right? Did, did Matt push record? Matt, we'll producer Matt, out. did you push record? I can very comfortably assure you that everything has been recorded and saved. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We got it. <laughs> good. Thanks, How did Jeff. you find out the last time it didn't get recorded before we let you go here? Tim. How did you find out the last time that it didn't get recorded? Oh, me. Yeah. Um, I think somebody somebody told me, it was like, hey, I haven't seen anything on Zuri's or because I posted something or whatever, and somebody told me, and I'm like, I think it was Wesley, my buddy Wesley down there in Georgia. And I'm like, I don't know. So I texted you, and you're like, yeah, I ain't happy about it either. <laughs> I'm I, like, oh. <laughs> I didn't want to tell him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was just going to ignore it. <laughs> pretend it'll go away. I was going to pretend like it went away and then yeah. have him back on and never tell him. <laughs> so. Well, you know how honest you are with me, Matt. What's that? I said, it's good to know how honest you are with me. Hey, listen, I don't want to get hit. <laughs> I just told you I'm part of the 70%. I like it that way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we appreciate you. Love you, buddy. Thanks, Have a Tim. good Christmas. All right, man. Take care. All right. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye. Episode 300. That's a big guest. I mean, literally a big guest. That's right. That's fun, man. Huge. That's fun. So now. F-U-N. Uh, should we, should we, we had a bunch of questions from rack packers that we never did answer. Uh, we should probably do some of that stuff cause we promised we would. I wanted to do some special things for the 300th episode. I think you got a real wild clip and all that good stuff. So we can do all that and do kind of the housekeeping here. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a 300th episode without the shenanigans. That's right. I didn't want to keep any more Tim's time since we've now it's that we doubled <laughs> yes. his time. Yes. So. All right. So let's let's jump into the real wild clip of the week and then we'll do we'll kind of sprinkle in some listener questions. All right. So the real wild clip. What do we got this week here? Up close and personal. Our buddy Anderson Outdoors 1999. It's a close encounter of the canine variety. And uh so it's a view out of a ground blind. Nice and snowy. And whoa, whoa. there's something orange. It's hey, a, a fox. It's a fox. Well, you don't see that often. He's probably four feet away from the blind looking straight in there. Pretty, too. Trying to catch the wind. <laughs> like, what in the world is in that blind? Something stinks in there. It's crazy how close he is and how apparently calm he is, too. Well, yeah, usually they just take off when you even see the dang yeah, thing. It's rare to see him even stop. And he's kind of making his way across some down branches and just kind of walks off. He's not too concerned. We, Scott and I were just talking about this, how very little we see uh, – you'll see coyotes on the trail cameras, but mm -hmm. how very little you catch a fox. And then – I don't know if, he, if you noticed it, but the other day we had a fox on our camera. It was the middle of the night or whatever. I even HD'd him to, to double-check. But it is – it's just so rare to yeah. see him, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, coyotes and – you see coyotes dead on the highway. You see coyotes mm -hmm. when you're hunting. You see them on your trail cameras all the time. Cartoons. But you really – cartoons. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> I've got a family of bobcats that live on one of my properties. And yeah. I really want a bobcat pelt. Yeah. 
We, we, those are hard to, I mean, we've caught those on trail camera quite a bit, but I rarely, I think twice have seen one in person while hunting. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're awful. I, I actually got a shot at one with my bow and I, I shot like there was hair on the ground. I shot just a little bit low, but like inside that fur ball, there's not much body there. Yeah. But I think I startled them. The real wild clip of the week, man. That's a pretty wild one. It's pretty setting, especially that snow on that, that coat. It just really stands out like mm-hmm. that. Which I was going to say I'm excited about the incoming snow yeah. that we got, which by the time people are listening to this episode, it'll we probably had, be on the ground. It's probably not going to be much, even it, though they're calling for a blizzard. Right. People are going buying their eggs and their bread. But but I just, I love deer hunting. I love hunting, period, in snow. You know, I, 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 I know that when it snows, we're going to have, a, if you're sitting over a food source, you got a really good chance of seeing a bunch of deer. So I like that aspect of it. It's, it's kind of an early season late season they're very much the same as far as the pattern of the deer goes so that part i'm looking forward to because we we cannot we can't beg borrow or steal seeing a deer right now and it's just it's this farm i don't know what i'm going to do it's just for doing trying to do this for a living it has made it a very challenging last couple of years and so um you know it's make your spot better or get a better spot and i don't Mm -hmm. know i'm teetering right now yeah i'm kind of feeling the same way yeah i a lot of permission properties and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not in this year when they're all not that's tough it's yeah it makes it tough but i did have a shooter show up in daylight uh, a couple days ago when i hunted him last night of course he didn't show up like his buddies this younger buck showed up um I do have a little bit of hope now. It's nice to at least see a deer that, oh, I could potentially encounter that, that buck. Yeah. But, uh, but still. Hope. Tough. Hope. Yeah. <laughs> a new hope. Star Wars I, saga. Ooh, I love Star Trek. For the nerds out there. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, Christopher Austin, a Rack Pack member, asked us the question. He wants to know, what's the square root of a right hypotenuse? Where are you at? Am I, do I have and, the same uh, stuff in front of me? I don't know. Maybe. Is it this? Yep. Yep. So where did you skip around? You went oh, to the yeah. bottom. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> thought we we're going to start at the top. Because it's an, it's, it's an easy answer. I don't know. And you've come to the wrong place if you're looking for geometry advice. Okay. And moving on. Let's start at the that. top. All right. We got Clinton Manning. He says, farm update for Matt's big boy farm. Hold it. And I'm a big boy. <laughs> uh, any target deer? What's, what's there? And if he's hunted it at all? Great question. I know we talked a lot about it in the summertime and when I purchased the farm, and we haven't talked about it much since, and there's a reason for that. This summer, I was at the Lake of the Ozarks. It was, I think it was 4th of July, and Aaron Bennett came over to the dock. He's got a uh, condo not far from where mom and dad have a place, so he came over. We're celebrating the 4th of July, hanging out. He said, hey, I got a guy that um, might need a 1031 do a 1031 exchange and might be interested in your farm. And so I, I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested. I haven't really hunted it. We did. I mean, we really didn't, I haven't deer hunted it at all yet. You know, we were doing all this work. We had put a lot of effort and time and money into the house and all that stuff. So I'm not really interested. And then he asked again, uh, not long after that. And so it was a nice guy, great family. And, um, uh, that they really are interested in checking it out. So, I just kind of made up my mind, talked to dad about it. I thought, you know, he he always said him and Mark both don't get attached to Mm. these pieces, you know, unless you think it's your forever spot. If you're trying to do what we've done, you can't get attached to the piece. You got to be able to kind of compartmentalize it Mm. and move on to the next piece. And so I thought, all right, 
I don't want to get rid of it. It's the perfect setup, but it's 102 acres, and my dream is to have more at some point. Okay. And this is a way to do it. So I uh, told Aaron I'd be willing to, you know, at a certain price, you know, factoring in taxes and all the things that I was going to get hit with, you know, the, the input cost I already had. Um, I said, okay, I, I'd be interested at this price, but nothing, I'm not interested in negotiating. When you quoted the price, did you put your pinky to your mouth? I and, did. Okay. One million dollars. No, <laughs> it wasn't that. Uh, so anyways, uh, he, he went back to the, uh, buyer and said here's here's what what i got they came and looked at it at sunset one night and and it sounded like the guy really liked the piece uh he was part of a family trust and wanted others to come see it as well so uh they we scheduled one more visit and i had met him for that one and um and believe it or not, I think the house was one of the major selling points for the others in the family because it was so nice. And so it's one of those things where when I was going into it, I didn't know I, I was making the house nice so that my family would mm -hmm. like yeah. to come and enjoy it. And uh, it turned out that was one of the main selling points of selling the farm was the fact that the house was so nice. So uh, anyways, we came to an agreement and he ended up um, I, I needed to wait. And a full year or else I was going to get penalized with some very heavy taxes. Anybody that's ever bought or sold anything like that knows the short-term capital gains or long-term yeah. capital gains. And I'm kind of for getting my first experiences with it. I would have said penalized, but. It's and so that you could 1031 or you could do a lot of different things. Uh, but the way the price of land is right now, the way the interest rates between when we first started talking and been, been between then and when I would have to sell it, the interest rates doubled more than doubled. And um, I would have to, I mean, I, the payments would be very, very costly to, for me to, to do a 1031 and, and then continue on. Mm -hmm. So uh, I elected to, uh, go a year and a day from when I had originally closed on it, I closed on selling it. And so I, I got long-term capital gains instead of short-term capital gains. I didn't 1031 it because I, um, I was just concerned. I mean, there's nothing really, there's no uh, harm in, 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 in doing a 1031 if you don't find anything other than you have to pay somebody a, a qualified intermediary to hold on to the money or else you don't qualify for it. So you pay them 800 bucks, 1000 bucks, something like that, a fee mm -hmm. to hold the money. They're, they've, they're qualified to do this. Mm -hmm. And then if you find something within that next 45 days, basically it's tax deferred. You're kicking the can down the road on when you would have to pay the taxes okay. On, so say I did do a 1031, I found another piece, I would have to pay taxes on, on if I ever sold that piece, I would have to pay taxes on the original sale and that it's, sale. Yeah, eventually catches up. It, it, yeah. Somewhere down the line, um, unless you never sell, I guess. So a lot of people, they definitely want to do a 1031. And, the, and, and I, was, I typically would have gone that route, but the way that the farm sales are right now, the price is a land and the interest rate, in my opinion, for me and my scenario, I didn't think I would be able to afford the next farm mm -hmm. necessarily. So we closed on it. I never did hunt it. They hunted there all, all fall. 
uh, before closing and they had a, a non-refundable earnest deposit that they put down. Mm -hmm. So I felt comfortable if something happened to the deal, basically it was like a lease. They were leasing the ground sure. from me. So it all, it all worked out. Wonderful family, great people. Couldn't, couldn't be happier for them. Uh, but I never hunted at one time and this fall and Scott and I, uh, put in the food plots and, 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 um, you know, that, that was, that was it. We kind of helped set it up, but we never got to hunt it. So I don't know how they've done necessarily. I, I do kind of know, I know they saw a lot of deer, a lot of young bucks, a lot of does, mm -hmm. kind of what we were expecting. Like a building year. Yeah. I, I think it was a building year. I don't think they had too many opportunities at a good, like four and a half, five and a half year old type buck. They had a few on camera. Um, and, and here maybe in the late season, then muzzleloader, they'll get a chance. Uh, but as of right now, I don't think they've killed uh, any mature bucks on it. But they have seen a ton of deer, and, and, and like you said, it's a building year. So I'm yeah. super excited for them. And in the meantime, I'm back to being – not a big boy. <laughs> so I'm not a big boy. I'm a little boy. <laughs> Too good <to> true. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's. But we, so if folks are in the rack pack, they will probably have seen some videos from our field day. We went up there. Mm -hmm. Gosh, when was that? It was that like would have been the end of the uh, end of August, middle of the end of August. That was like the that was the one and only party we got to have at the farm. It was a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, it was like a, like a housewarming slash farewell all yeah. wrapped up into one last hurrah. We fished. Some ate. had more fun than others. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> Andrew, Alan, Alan slaved away by that grill. Oh yeah, we had the Cabela smoker out there, and he smoked a bunch of yummy, delicious. Mm. What what all did we have? Uh, Deer queso, Deer queso beer brats, chicken. Burgers. But you you did a oh, – I'm trying to think. I thought you had a pork tenderloin or – no, you – you had pulled pork, yeah. So it was it was an awesome time. My mom and dad came up, yeah, and they spent a long time with us there. And I mean, we played, you know, cornhole and and you know, shot, shot skeet and, and fished, fished and, and literally everything you could do on that farm. We did it in one night. <laughs> and we drank, got drunk, had a good time, and yeah. And then Andrew pissed all over <laughs> Alan's camper on the inside. Andrew says he didn't. Andrew's listening. I know he's listening to this. So Andrew says he didn't. Alan says it's a real weird coincidence where that wet spot was. <laughs> and then he and, sold it. Yeah. I'm sure you disclosed that, right? Well, if it, yeah, if a property is haunted, I think in Missouri you have to disclose that it's yeah. haunted. So anyways, uh, thank you for asking, Clinton. It was a short-lived, anticlimactic <laughs> bittersweet but i am looking forward to finding hopefully a new piece and uh and doing it all Be over the big again boy all yeah. over again that's right yeah so. you'll get there uh okay so let's hop into the question of the day then we'll do some more all right some more other questions all right so the question of the day is proudly presented by deercast maps oh deercast map parcels Ooh. find out who owns the dirt next door by activating the parcel layer in deercast maps it's not me i'm not the owner next door in fact i own that so such a short period of time i bet my name never didn't, registered yeah, on, didn't even on the parcel data didn't even update probably just says tbd that's right hi it's uh coming up on the end of deer season alternative methods and uh, the latter part of the archery season the deer have been hunted hard and um, you are not seeing them um, and um, i am wondering what is the best three tips you could give 
on finding and shooting a nice buck late season. Thank you. You know, Mark came on last week. Was that last week? No, the week before. Weeks ago. And he actually addressed this pretty well in the late season. We talked about it a little bit, but I mentioned it just a minute ago that food source is key this time of year. They definitely get back to a bed-to-feed type of pattern. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean if you don't have a food source that you're out of it because, you know, are there acorns still, which I know that's not exactly the hot, you know, thing right now. But are there other Seed things? pods, yeah, from locust trees. Because they gra- if they don't have a food source, they're not accustomed to that anyway. They're grazing on something. Yeah, they're eating something. They're eating something. So is there some sort of volunteer green, you know, a foliage that's coming up where a cut cornfield was or mm-hmm. you, you know there's a lot of different ways to to try to find where they're headed to but they're definitely back on that bed to feed type of pattern they don't move a lot They'll, you'll catch them maybe in the mornings on the right mornings you know going back to bed you'll catch them coming out in the evenings it's uh, i mean this is where deer cast does come in handy watching that forecast mm-hmm. the pressure yeah. this time of year the 30.3, 30.4, 30.5, those, that barometric pressure, when it's on the rise, it's a big deal. They get up on mo- and move sunny days, you know, high-pressure sunny days, the first south after a bunch of norse. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you could key in on this time of year and, and catch them moving because that's the biggest thing is just seeing them. Yeah, yeah, and, and you got to watch because and Mark and Terry talk about this in this phase tactic breakdown video in deer cast. They talk about early afternoon movement. You get the right conditions. You could have deer up on their feet three as early as 3 o'clock-ish, and so you got to be careful about on those days when deer cast is indicating great movement, good movement earlier in the afternoon, you have to time your – your your trip into your spot a little bit earlier so you don't bump to your back that's right and access is key because there's no foliage there's you know so say you're hunting down in a bottom and if they can see you you know if they're bedding on the south facing hillside a slope Mm -hmm. and they watch you go in you know every time i mean you have to be cognizant yeah you do have to be cognizant (laughs) of that uh, as well so all those things matter a little bit more in the late season if you domino one you know if one catches your because you if you're in the right spot you could deal with a higher deer density if, especially if you're on food you're going to see a lot more deer yeah and then you got a lot of eyeballs and a lot of noses to to, to beat so those are all things you kind of got to worry about and keep into account so your wind still does matter even though you might be hunting with a muzzleloader and it's a gun season and you got that long range you know, what if you have deer underneath you, you know, the does, typically young bucks file out the first, yeah. you know, you got to beat all those nose, eyes and ears and all that stuff before the mature bucks will come out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. something to keep in mind. A game I'm playing right now is a lot of nighttime pictures and it's, it's good to at least be getting pictures of deer, <laughs> but it, it might as well be on Mars if you're yeah. getting, so I'm trying to, I'm playing musical, musical chairs with my cameras right now, trying to rewind them back to where they're coming from figure out where their bed is so i because i'm mostly i'm hunting big timber yeah so i'm trying to like okay it's cool i'm getting pictures but they're doing me not much good right now i gotta keep kind of tracking these deer down kind of following them further back into where they're going yeah that 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 is a tough thing we have moved a bunch of our cameras we we have a big destination bean food source on one of the pieces that we hunt so we moved a bunch of our cameras to it 
And same thing that you're dealing with. We get tons of pictures, but it's amazing. It's nighttime only as soon as yeah. it gets dark. And we've talked about this at nauseum on the podcast, but here they all come out. So it's as much of trying to catch them on that great day. And I've noticed, I mean, we're getting skunked on good days and okay days. And that's one of the things that you hear people say like, oh, it's backwards from what, you know, I see on poor days. It's I see deer movement on great days. I don't, that, that's not for us. That's not what I see for us. It has to be a great day to see, to see good, you know, okay deer movement on this piece. Yeah. It has a lot to do with your specific farm. So you got to keep that in mind. And so I, I mean, for me, I'm looking at great days. Of course we, we had, um, like I've alluded to some family obligations here this week, a, a ton during the Christmas break. So all the days that say great, I can't hunt. So it's one of those deals where I am hunting on good days, but I am paying attention to our wind, paying attention. I don't want to sure. blow the spots out because at some point I am going to be able to get in there. Hopefully it's before they, you know, drop their <laughs> shed their antlers and, and have an opportunity. That's what happened last year. Yeah. But I want to make sure that we don't blow it up before we get to that. And I'm making matters worse by going, just going when I can go. Right. Yeah. The other thing I would say is uh, to, it's more of kind of a, a mental state, but that boy, that last half hour of daylight, I, especially if you're cold, you're tired, you want to pack up your stuff. It's it just never ceases to amaze me how deer just seem to materialize out of in nowhere. that twilight zone yeah. of almost these, like out of the fog. Yeah, it's like holy cow, you know, there's a deer standing. Right I've been there. looking at that spot all day. <laughs> yeah. Where did he come from? And and you don't want to have your release in your pack and your yeah. bow on the oh, yeah. on, on, on the hoist, you know, going back down and. Uh, so you stick it out to the very last. That, that's a great point because that last 30, especially if you had been skunked up to that point, you've been there a few, two, three hours. The last half hour is the hardest because you're like, man, I want to get the hell out of here, especially mm -hmm. if you got to drive home an hour or 30 yes. minutes. So you're like, man, I just want to get home. That last 30 minutes I find to be the toughest because I know they can move then, but I am so, especially this point in the season, I'm so over it. I, I just want to be done. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's been a grind. Yep. I had a very same scenario happen last night. I wanted to kind of get down, but I stayed in. I saw four deer in the last, like, 15 minutes of shooting light that I had. Just enough to say, I didn't get skunked. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, God. It's the drug that keeps you coming back. Yeah. Seeing deer. All right, Bill, thank you. Um, shoot me a message via the uh, via Facebook Messenger through the Rack Pack, and we'll get you a hat. Let's get okay. this one. Let's go to that next one down. Brian Steele, talk about how I'm going to win a hunt with Terry and Mark and what kind of shooters I'll be hunting. Well, Brian. You lost. We just pulled the winner, <laughs> didn't we? Do you have that name? Yeah. So uh, so we had this this giveaway going all year in DeerCast on the, on the giveaway tab. It's closed now, unfortunately. You had all year to register, so. Uh, so we were giving away a tracker off-road vehicle. 800, uh, 800, yeah. We were giving away a Hawk office box blind with a five foot platform yep. and we we're giving away a hunt with mark and terry two yep. days with mark two days with three different prizes three winners yep so the tracker winner was connor hebner he's from nebraska uh the box blind winner is kyle grief from princeton illinois and the hunt winner is mike vessel and he is from wisconsin a cheese head they drink milk from a bag oh i didn't know that so 
yeah, it's cool. Those guys. Uh, Congratulations. Those guys, yeah, they're they got a great 2023 coming. Not to mention we had 12 days of giveaways leading up to that. So our around that same time period where we were giving away all kinds of stuff. We even gave away a, a phase four from Matthews and Victory Arrows and Sitlock suits and all kinds of good stuff. So all those winners have been announced. I think there's a post in Deercast by this yep. point that'll yep. to say all the names. So congrats to all those people as well. We just came up with a bunch of fake names because they're fake contests. Now, you sh we should mention this. Don't get scammed. Don't get duped. There are several accounts on Instagram for sure. I don't know if Facebook as well that are going out there and, and trying to friend request our followers and then sending them DMs, messages that are pretty detailed with links to click mm -hmm. and yeah. claim your prize. Don't do that. They're scamming you. So I, we're trying to – we sent an email out about it, and we've put a post up about it. But if you see those people, you can report them. Uh, I know on Instagram you can report them yeah. as um, uh, impersonating someone you know, and then you could say who it is, Drury Outdoors. So please do that. It's about the only way we can get them banned. Yeah. But if it's a hot chick – uh, then accept the friend request. <laughs> that is know, also a scam. Good. No oh, hot it? chick is wanting a friend request you. All right, just that's like thirty percent of my followers. I always team. ban them all because I know one day Elon's going to buy Instagram and Facebook, and then he's going to get rid of all these bots, and then I'll have no followers. So I just ban oh. them when they come oh, in. They're robots. They're bots. Wow, Tim. No hot chick wants to say hi to you. Hot chick robot. You know, when the message just says hi, it's yeah. definitely not a real chick. What if they say, hi, you seem like nice man. <laughs> also fake. Ah, That's a dude. I feel so stupid. <laughs> well, Brian, stay you tuned to DeerCast for 2023 because we're going to have another big giveaway. We're going to give another one of those away, by the way. Hot chick robot? 800, uh, another tracker 800. All right. All right. We're going to skip Jeremy's because his is dumb. Uh, George Kaufman, why do Mark and Terry let you run the podcast if you can't kill big deer? I'm just joking. <laughs> Thanks. I know you guys are doing the best you can. Even worse, it's like your mom saying she's disappointed there, there. in you. And I truly think you'll get it done soon. I am actually beginning to think we won't. <laughs> It's looking it's less and less likely with every day that passes. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And when I looked at the schedule, I looked at DeerCast at you know the 14 day, and I saw uh, all the great days were on all my family functions. I'm like, I am toast. I am screwed for this year. Well, then you're double screwed if you ditch those family functions. Well, yeah, and you don't kill anything. Well, because I've ditched plenty. I mean, I haven't ditched a ton, but I've been not as present as I should be through the fall so you get to this point you aren't getting out of any family function you burned you, up all those passes you have burned all yeah. of them like and you shouldn't honestly you shouldn't want to if especially if you got kids i mean that this time of year is pretty awesome so you just gotta you know just gotta be present watched the christmas story a couple nights ago with my son that is the ultimate Christmas experience for me. He sat there next to me in the chair, yeah. like he just he held my is arm. He like, quality time is Bo's love language, and we just sat there, and he gets it. And like, he's six years old, so he loves. He's got a Red Rider, like he is now getting it. And I'm like, okay, this is Christmas. Yeah. This feels good. Did you watch the sequel? We no, talked about this. No, it I, is I, actually I, pretty I good. Yet. We watch it with the kids, and they were rolling through it. Man. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Mark or George Kaufman, I don't know why they let us run the podcast. I, actually, I do. They're too busy. They don't want to. I mean, <laughs> yes. You were being nice. They don't want to do it. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. What is it that rolls downhill? 
shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're at the bottom. <laughs> we're the bottom feeders. So The C team. Uh, believe me, there have been times where I'd like to give it up. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is tedious to get guests. And, yes. I mean, I mentioned it the other day. Like, uh, I was at a wedding uh, recently, and there were some people I had the, the joy to meet that are semi, you know, these are some famous people and they said, Hey, ever need anything? And it's like, all right, so I got to reach out to these people, bother them right out of the gate. Hey, would you like to do a podcast? There's no quicker way to end a potential friendship than to say, Hey, can you be on my podcast? They weren't impressed that you had a podcast? No, no, I didn't bring that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, that's uh, that comes later in the friendship. Yes. It's like the second text. <laughs> I was hunting going, Hey, by the way, uh, Brady Stockman wants to know our thoughts and opinions on the new CWD and doe season in Missouri. Uh, I did read the, I did read the new regs or, or proposed dates when they came out a couple weeks ago. And I read a lot of the comments about them. Boy, the people from my hometown were really not happy. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the gripe from most people is that, there's too many days during the season where people have a gun in their hand. Meaning if we are having herd, you know, if the herd's declining or we have management issues, like there's too many opportunities to kill deer too easily. And um, I don't have much of an opinion on the CWD stuff because I'm not educated enough to speak on it. That's not a cop out. It's just the reality of it. Like I know, I know what's going on. I know the, both sides of the story. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people think CWD is uh, uh, like COVID, like it's it's always been there and now it's fake and this they've used it to weaponize it against the hunters. I'm not educated enough on all facets of that topic to say one way or the yeah. other. I don't know about you. You may be, but I mean, I, I just don't know better, honestly. Yeah, and I, I always appreciate a good, I don't know, we got too many people that are stating their Experts, opinions yeah. as facts and they they have very little and so yeah i have not read too much into uh the biology behind like the herd dynamics and the the thinking behind the the cwd and the doe season so i just don't have an opinion I, yet i tell you what alan pull up real quick google the 2023 uh doe season in missouri i i think they extended it didn't they didn't they add more like another time frame of the season to do the doe season yeah if alan gives us those dates we can speak on in the meantime oh. october 6th okay october 6th through what eighth so you, october hold on alan's saying the first chance to do some antlerless management is october 6th through the 8th is that just for cwd counties though or is that for everyone okay so so no, CWD counties are November 22nd through the 26th. And then you still have the antlerless season, which is like 10 days, isn't it? Uh, December 2nd through 10th. Yeah, December 2nd yeah. through the 10th. So, it, I mean, this it, what it does is it kind of reveals people's motivations. As, as someone who's primarily a bow hunter, I don't want the deer yeah. spooked by gunfire. But if, if you hunt, you know, if you're only a gun hunter and you hunt just a few days out of the year and that's when you have to fill your freezer, that's when you're taking your kids out, it's more opportunity for you. So, so much of this, you almost have to put your own personal preferences 
aside and think what's best for you know long-term hunting opportunities the herd uh the biology of, of deer I, I don't know what the advantage of that october one is certainly i mean that what i'm more annoyed by the long gun season right in the rut which has been the long been the issue for most bow hunters now for for gun hunters it's great and i don't i don't blame them for enjoying that because they get out that period and there's a lot of big deer get killed by guys and gals and and kids and through that period well it's because they're up and moving like crazy during that period i personally hate it i wish it was just moved back another week uh, mm-hmm. it, it would be tremendous if it was moved back even one more week. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, this doe season, I, I look at like the Missouri youth season, and it's that last weekend usually of October. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's right at the beginning of the rut. And I, I don't have any problem with that. And I don't think now, is a kid able to kill the deer that you've been after all year? Yeah, there's some, your deer. It, it, that's true. And it's some really good opportunities for them. Yeah. But if the whole point is for us to try to continue on our heritage, maybe that's what we need is to have them have some luck. And I'm pretty sure that's why that date is where it's mm-hmm. at. I have no problem with that. I really don't have much of a problem with that early doe season and the beginning of October either. I always hear people say that they're concerned that, a, you know, a guy accidentally kills like, oh, they how many dads killed uh, their kids, <laughs> you know, giant for the youth season. Uh, I, does that really go on? I mean, does that really happen or is that some I, popular I, thing people like to say? I've never. I, I, I don't know, but I think the same person that would do that would probably also hunt on someone else's tags. Like, I think that's just someone who's probably not always following the law. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't care. I don't really care about that, honestly. Like that, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think that's a real thing. I mean, is there maybe some Johnny Joe redneck out there that's done that? Sure. And you'll never know because of the way that in Missouri, anyways, that we have to tag our deer now electronically. You'll never really know. But I mean, for the most part, I don't think that's a big problem. Yeah, I so, know. Speaking of seasons, I know there are a lot of people that want a crossbow only see, you know, pull crossbow out of archery season, make a special season for it, unless someone has yeah. some kind of disposition where they there too don't care about that either. Yeah. I mean, I just don't. I I get it that like Scott's on everybody gave him shit about the cross gun. You know, that's a funny <laughs> popular term. Yeah. I I don't I don't. I mean, it's just another way to to bow hunt. And if you don't call the bow, that's okay. It, it does it extend your range? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is it a much faster bow? Absolutely. I get all that, but it's not a gun, you know. And shit can still go wrong, you know. And so I, I just don't have a problem with that season being in the archery season. Yeah. Unpopular opinion, maybe. I don't know. Well, and and, and again, like, and we have to do manage deer management by almost by county because what's going on in northern missouri is different than what's going on in southern missouri what's in and you know and, and that's the same in any state we got we got a we're at the hour and a half mark i this is our 300th episode i'm we're going long this gi- may be a 2 hour it's a giant episode so let's let's jump over into the wildlife word cuz it's going to change some people's and then, lives and then i want to jump back to the rest of these questions we're going to be jumping a lot here so the wildlife word is brought to you by live doppler radar in deer See current forecasted precipitation animated directly onto your hunting areas, especially with snow in the forecast. You want to see what's coming. (laughs) But y'all don't say that. Okay, we're going to be talking a little bit about the rut. And whitetails can be in the rut from August 
all the way through February in which U.S. state? I already know. I know this one. Is it A, Indiana, B, Ontario, C, Maine, D, Florida? D. You got it. Yeah. That's crazy. When we first set up DeerCast, we went to find out when peak estrus was in all the regions that whitetails kind of were prevalent. And it was crazy trying to pick a peak estrus date. Like it's like DeerCast, the peak estrus date is how your phases are set up. I know. So I'm telling the audience. Too. Oh. So basically in the Midwest, like all the states around Missouri, it's set for November 14th. And that's peak breeding it's pretty good midpoint for everybody yeah well as you go to the different states especially down south it changes quite a bit in florida there were tons of different uh peak estrus states that we have found out and so we tried to set kind of regions but it's crazy i think what we had come up with is they had so many deer that were brought in to try to you know bolster the population way back in the day that I guess the theory, I, I don't know if this is right or true, but I thought we I read this when we, were, when we were coming up with it, is that the, they brought those peak estrus dates with them from wherever, whatever region they were brought in from. Along with their regional accents. <laughs> yeah. Do we need to get Ben back on here to do some more accents? Bless <laughs> <laughs> my bow. Yeah. So that, that's what I, I'm pretty sure that's what we had read when we were coming up with that stuff. Yeah. And um, so Florida is a little bit, and the southern states in, in general have a wider range of peak estrus. Yeah, because, yeah Alabama's the same way, I think. Yeah, so um, so up, you know, up where we are, and as you go farther north, it's important. You know, the timing of when those fawns drop is important. So you want it after the harsh of cold, but in time for the spring green up so there's good nutrition. And you want those fawns to be big enough once the fall hits to be able to survive the oncoming winter. So that timing for when the fawns drop is so important the farther north you go. In Florida and a lot of the other southern states, you have way more availability, a, 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 wider, a, a wider range of time during the year when, when food is available. So photo period is not, is not, it's not the only driver. Like up here, photo period is the primary driver for peak estrus. Down in the southern states, it's not as important because there's so much more time when food is readily available and the winter is not as big of a factor. Mm. So peak estrus is based on, yeah, where the deer came from and her dynamics. And that's why I would also recommend that people that are that have deer cast down in Florida, like Chrissy Squared Nuts or whatever, <laughs> that guy that sends us all the good yummy treats. Yeah. I would recommend you checking with your local biologists or DNR agents if they know what the peak estrus dates are for your exact area and then going into DeerCast and changing that custom. You can customize that. Some guy just hit us up in uh, DeerCast support saying, it drives me nuts. You guys are talking about phase 12 yeah. and I'm here in phase four in Alabama. Sure. And he didn't realize that you could change your peak estrus in DeerCast and then that then that will change all your 13 phases. So that that changes the phases. It slides the scale, so to speak. But what we put in the news feed is still very much geared towards what we're Midwest. seeing in the Midwest. And that's just, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast because that's we're living through it right now. So, yep. uh, but yes, the videos that you'd be served up and you're understanding your deer cast would slide with whatever you set your peak estra set. That's right. Yeah. All right. That was a great wildlife word, Matt. All right, let's get back to a few more questions here. Let's do that. 
All right, let's see here. We have Brian Durr. What is something that you have may have advocated for and for or believed in strategy wise that you suggested to everyone fifteen to twenty years ago that today your knowledge of hunting has changed your belief in? Tim. Sounds like Brian is wanting feedback from, from Mark, Mark and Terry on that. No one listened to me 15 or 20 years ago. I didn't know shit 15 or 20 years ago. It turns out I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that they would say trail cameras changed, you know, in 15 or 20 years ago. Now, that's not something they advocated for, but yeah. that changed their strategy, certainly, and yeah. how they hunted. So um might be calling. I know Mark has talked about this a lot. They, you know, used to blind call. They don't do much of that anymore. In fact, I very rarely see Terry call at all. Mm-hmm. And and Mark's got to the point where he very rarely does either. And I think that, so I think they've evolved in, in that theory and strategy over the years. Sure. Um, I I'm, I'm would imagine the amount of timber hunting they used to do versus what they do now, I, I mean, Terry, Terry and Forrest still do in the rut quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know how much Mark and, and his crew really do that anymore. I mean, they still are pretty f- heavily focused on food source yeah. hunting. I know. So 15 years ago, I was eight, and I spent – I did – You're a liar. Two, well, I enjoy lying. <laughs> I had to do the math in my head. <laughs> Wait I carried a minute. The two. And Ontario is not a state. Yeah. So there. <laughs> You, sir, are a liar. <laughs> Guilty. Um, I I spent too many mornings hunting in early season. That would probably be a Mark and Terry one as well. Yeah. Um, I, it, looking back now, I can see how it, I mean I can see how it was wasted time, and now kind of seeing what Mark and Terry have learned and what they advocate for, I just spent way too many mornings out there and not seeing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe Starkey. Um, we, uh, we hit his we last did. week. That's right. Uh, using regenerative agriculture uh, practices, he also want he so uh, Joe Stark. He says recently retired from the military. Thank you for your service, Absolutely. Joe. Absolutely. Uh, he's got a little bit of change in his pocket. He says I'm trying to Going decide if I want to buy a large piece of land, name that tune, and plant my house on it, or buy a smaller piece for my house with a separate hunting property. Your thoughts on either? So you do, do you want to live where you hunt or do you want to have it separate? Uh, I know this much. It's a lot more convenient having a place to stay where you hunt. Now, if your place that you stay is in the middle of your piece or on the north end of the farm or you have to drive all the way through it, not ideal. But if it's kind of on the edge or the, you know, the southern half or, you know, there's, it's easy access in and doesn't affect your hunting, like, hey, that's the best of all worlds to be able to walk out your back door and go hunting. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and, yeah, and it also probably uh, depends on what the recreational expectations of your family are going to be. Are they, they going to want to drive ATVs around the property? They want to, you know, do other things in the wood, woods that'll kind of increase intrusion. You got to weigh all that stuff out. That's right. But. Uh, we got Brian Downer. He's a. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's fun to be with. He says, could you possibly have Jim Tomey on your podcast as a guest in the future? I haven't seen any recent posts on DeerCast this year's videos about how a season has gone. Uh, I always enjoy seeing his deer camp and hearing about the bucks he's chasing. I am working on that. I have been working on that for some time. <laughs> so, 
Jim is a busy guy and very hard to get a hold of uh, or, or to, to nail down to, mm-hmm. to do this podcast. It might just be this podcast. I don't know. Mm. I do think we'll get him here in 2023, though. Nice. He's, he's told me he's going to do it. I want to hear the story of that giant he killed last oh, season. Yeah. And, and he's, he's told me the story there in person, but I would like to share it with, with everybody because it's, it's incredible how many years of history he has with it. So we're working on, on Big Jim Tomey, and uh, hopefully soon we'll have him in. Yeah, that'd be cool. Shout-outs. All right. Oh, we got a few more listener questions. Sorry, I missed that. Uh, what's, so Christopher Austin wants to know, what's your favorite product to use that you don't have an endorsement with? Uh, Land Lakes Butter. We we have so many partners. Honestly, I mean it's it's a lot, and so there's most things we have a partnership with. We had used Nose Jammer for a long time before they sponsored us, and we loved that product. Uh, that was one back in the day we used before they ever sponsored us. Um, we use a product called Evercalm when we put out deer decoys. And they're not a sponsor, and, and that product has worked really, really well for us, especially the wax stick. It basically it, it helps. There's a scent to it that, that I guess uh, at deer farms or something, they've, they've uh, got this scent from the deer that they have, and it's, it's, it's just a calming. I guess it gives the deer coming up to the decoy a calming. Um, I don't even know what the scent is. There is a scent to it. But we use that on, like, the hawks, on the nose, and we also spray down the deer with, like, an HS, like, a spray to get any odor that we put on it mm-hmm. off. The, those things seem to help a lot. So that that would be another product. I don't know if you have any that you use that, that we aren't partnered with. Uh, um, I – so um, – so I did a lot of backpacking and kind of outdoor adventuring for a long time. And I still use my Petzl headlamp. I've got one of the Acticore. Um, it's got a USB rechargeable battery in it. It's super bright, super lightweight. And it, ha- it you can flip from white, you know, different, different, uh, different the strengths of white, but then also has a red light. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love my Acticore Petzl headlight. Nice. Headlamp. Use we use Energizer. We're not sponsored by them but we use a lot of energizer stuff pretty bright as well oh yeah um okay william cox is missouri slowly turning into mississippi with addition of another gun season if population control is their goal why not require a doe to be tagged before any buck can be tagged uh or any buck tag can be filled that's going back to the earlier question great great point i think missouri because it's a over-the-counter state it does lend itself to a lot of added pressure from out of staters. Yeah. You know, a lot of people from down south, northeast, come down it's and hunt. It's pretty cheap to get a it, non-resident tag, especially when you. That's kind of one of my only other gripes. Is like, all right, if we're going to do over this the counter tags, that's great. But shouldn't the tag cost what the other states are charging? Illinois, <laughs> Iowa, Kansas, yeah. like it's four or five hundred dollars. I mean, by the time you get all the habitat stamps and the mm-hmm. license and the tag, like. I mean, not to be tit for tat guy, but shouldn't it be that way? And then maybe that would, you know, maybe that would help a little bit. Well, it's definitely more dollars into conservation. I know some people have uh, have suggested doing a reciprocal agreement. So whatever your state charges, yeah. that's what yeah. that's what Missouri is going to charge also. And 
We have all the answers, Tim. Yeah, pretty much. I'm sure someone from the MDC is watching thinking these guys are idiots. They're taking notes. Huh, okay. <laughs> I've never right. thought of that. <laughs> well, if it were only that easy, we, right? We just had an article on DeerCast that Jeremy Kerber wrote about should suburban hunts be Ernabuck? Because really, you think about suburbia, that's where you have a lot of does. vehicle crashes yeah. and, and and because it's just too many does. Yeah. And you got guys that are like, oh, yeah, I'll come on your property and I'll kill, you know, I'll, I'll take care of your deer problem. But they only are targeting ah, good bucks. In- interesting way to look at it. So, uh, so you know, that's another other tool in the old toolbox. All right. We're going to end with use. one last question here from Justin Prim. It's probably the best question of all of these. What's your plans for bouncing back from this tough season and getting prepared for next year? You go, and then I'll go. I don't know yet. I do know that I will clover plots. So I am putting in... I'm overseeding, frost seeding clover this spring, late winter. February. Yep. So, uh, so I, I, I just, my ground is too difficult for pretty much anything else at this point to work, to get anything else to grow. I've seen some decent results with clover. I'm tired of not having good food late season and hunting and pecking through the woods, trying to find a trail that I can catch a deer traveling on. So that's going to be my main focus is getting some good clover plots. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that as well. That's something Scott and I have talked about and we're going to do a lot of that too and add a bunch more clover and not only for the the biggest reason I, I felt like we needed that is that we have had such a hard time getting our fall food plots to grow because of the droughts that hit after we plant. So Clover is so resilient that we've seen it. We've we've had success with frost seeding. So if we can go in and frost seed and get a lot of clover growth and then just maintain it, mm-hmm. I think we'd be way better off and we'd assure ourselves of having some green food source to hunt. So so if we stick it out on the lease, that's that, that's well both leases. That's what we're talking about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean we won't plant some radishes or a last bite or something in certain plots, but I want more clover. Yeah. If we continue to hunt uh, the, the Marthasville lease, the one that the deer just don't come out at dark, we have to work with the landowner, Doug, to do some sort of uh, timber stand improvement and create more bedding near our food Keep source. Yeah. It is killing us. They just will not come out with enough light. Not only that, but we need to shrink this giant field we're hunting down. So we got to create blocking crops or we got to plant corn or we got to, which the farmer doesn't, he's, he's a beans only guy. He says, so I, (laughs) he's a beans guy. He's a beans guy. So I'm, I'm going to have to figure that out. Like we got to take more control of our destiny. We've, we made great strides this year, early season specifically. We saw a lot more, we've seen a lot more deer early season through the rut but it, it, we kind of have fallen back in our trap where they just will not move until mm-hmm. dark. And I don't know what the hell to do other than improve the habitat or yeah. find a new spot. Yeah. Finding a new spot is extremely difficult. I don't know that that's going to be an option. It is. Especially yeah. where we're trying to stick within an, an hour, hour and a half of St. You know, of our homes mm-hmm. here in St. Louis. It's nearly impossible to yeah. find crown. Yeah. Well, the other thing I'm trying not to do, like I, I want to control the things I can control so I can gripe as much as I want to about what kind of ground I have. 
my theory. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know that there are some things I can do. So I'm going to do those things. And, yeah. And, and I'll own, I worked really hard on p- trying to get some plots in this year and hang it. I've had more stands up this year than I've yeah. ever had more options. It just hasn't come together. Uh, we both, and then I should include Scott into this too. Well, the three of us, we have done more prep work for this season than any ever season before. ever before. Yeah. And it hadn't resulted to anything. So it doesn't just, but I always hear, you know, well, you got to put in the work in the off season. We did. Even so. And it doesn't mean you're going to kill something. There are still outside circumstances that you just cannot control. And I feel like we're dealing with a little bit of that. So we're going to keep grinding to the end, first of all. We're going to pick and choose our days when we can go, especially with all the family stuff during the holidays. Yeah. And if it ends up we didn't kill something, it is what it is, and we're going to get back. We'll be like every other podcast you listen to and uh, <laughs> where the hosts talk a bunch of shit huh. and don't actually kill anything. And then we're going to try all over again in 2023. Yep. Every year stands on its own. All uh, right. Uh, so I, uh, apologies if I get this name wrong. It's either Terrell or Terrell Oil gave us five stars over an Apple podcast. Thank you for doing that. Mark and Terry. He says these two brothers remind me so much of the hunting adventures I've shared with my brother over the with my brother over the years till he lost his battle with cancer in June of 2020. Sorry, sorry to hear to that. Hear, man. Yeah. Um, this year I was fortunate enough to take my best year ever on one of our favorite hunting spots in Kansas, and I have to believe he was there with me. Kansas Giant, uh, 23 points. Green scored 194 and four eighths. I love this podcast. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations on a deer of a lifetime. Condolences for your brother, of course. And that's, I think you're probably right. I'm sure he was there with you. Yeah, that's that's a great story. Thank you for sharing, Terrell. All right, we're going to finish it with some Rack Pack members. This is episode 300. We've gone almost two hours. Ooh. This is as long as we're ever going to do one of these. And, <laughs> Apologies. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Probably had to break it up into a few listening sessions, so we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say we really appreciate you guys and gals for listening, watching. You know, this is... 300 episodes in, I didn't really, I didn't really have any expectations when we started this, other than I felt like a podcast would be something that our our viewers of the TV shows would enjoy. Yeah, a little behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been really cool. I think my favorite thing has become watching the Rack Pack evolve and really seeing that community take place. That's been fun, and we really appreciate all you guys and gals for being in there. So. Uh, want to just say thank you yeah it it, it kind of feeds us like the feedback that we get in there it's it's cool that someone appreciates the well show. there's so many there's so much media that drury outdoors as a company pumps out you be kind of come numb to is there anybody out there is it the pink voice <laughs> is, is there yeah. anybody out there <laughs> like i don't know is there anybody listening watching i don't know but we get that feedback over on youtube and deercast in the rack pack it's it's it is really nice so i appreciate all of it and uh so we're going to give you a few more rack pack members uh, you if you aren't a part of the rack pack you can go over to facebook Search Drury Outdoors Rack Pack, and uh, it's a private Facebook group you can join. Very Every private. week, Tim lists a bunch of names. Every week, I butcher them. Every week, there's a fake name in there I got to catch. Mm-hmm. All right, so let me see. Is yours? Let me see your paper here. All right, we have Jonathan Gingrich. Gingrich? Mm. Yeah, Gingrich. We have Michael Rankmeyer, Cameron mm. Stigler. James White, Chris Little, Ty Daniels, Christopher Lee, Buck Naked. I'm going to go a Buck. 
Naked is the fake name, Tim. I don't like the sound of that Ty Daniels guy. <clears throat> there actually is a article in DeerCast right now about a naked buck. What? Does this have anything to do with that? Maybe. Tim, you're like you're an editor in chief of DeerCast Integration. or something. Yeah. It's a crazy story. It is crazy. So Sarah and it's Hanadel, creepy one of our it's like one ET. of our gold star writers. Yeah, it, it so this this buck only has hair on its testes. It's nuts. Or that. Yes. <laughs> uh and on so uh, you're saying he's got hairy nuts. Yeah, pretty much. But nowhere Cap else. Captain uh, Crazy's <laughs> C squared. <laughs> <laughs> so this deer was killed in Illinois. And the bio—I won't give too much of it away—but the deer is pretty much. It looks like the cat from Austin Powers. Yes, it's creepy looking. Mm. It is like an ET looking creepy. Ah, Scott. Speaking of Austin Powers, <laughs> you feel bad for it because it's like I, this thing has to get through an Illinois winter. Thankfully. Cold, a little chilly. Yeah, it's gonna be like walking around naked. Yeah, Ugh. naked. Go, go read that. I'll link it up in the show notes. All right. Okay. Well, Tim, well, 300. Happy we New made Year. It. Happy New Year. Happy 300. Thank you. Here's the For all the work more. you put into yeah, it. Yeah, happy to and, do it. And producer Matt. You guys put in a lot of work. And Alan. Engineer Alan over here. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys. Been a good run. This is it. This is the last one. Oh, I didn't get that memo. For this Sweet. year. Oh, we got to do more of them. <laughs> gotcha. All, all right. right. Thanks, everybody. Till next time. Peace out. DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.